Hey everyone, we're back. This is for the week covering Friday, April 15th, 2022. I'm just going to call it out right now. I think the movies that we're covering this week, we should just call this the Greg Srizavasti movie podcast. Eric Holmes, what do you think, considering the level of movies, the featured movies we're covering this week, were you thinking, oh, geez, this is so pretentious. This is a Greg movie. Were you thinking at all about this, Eric? When not, the, not the pretentious part, but I did feel I, I, I did feel a uh, glut of Greg movies this week, which is hey, I'm not complaining because you do have a pretty specific taste, but you also have good taste for the most part. Thank you, thank you. Eric was saying I, I'm the kind of guy who likes Grey Poupon and Stella Artois <laughs> and Brahms. I don't say Beethoven, I say Brahms. So I'm that kind of guy. We might be covering such movies like that on that level bruce do you disagree with my assessment regarding these are tip is a typical greg movie week or do you think hey why are you wearing a third this is for our, our video listeners what's going on with the third eye this week bruce i mean look into it see see what you discover <laughs> see what you've discovered you know unfortunately my third eye is not on my forehead but bruce what do you think about the the movies that we're covering this week is it are they pretentious are they are they greg movies or do they actually surpass greg movies or there's actually meat to the bone yes <laughs> yes look at that he's being very introspective this week one of the movies the reason why bruce has googly eyes i'm sure a lot of you view- viewers listeners understand we will be covering under our recommendation section everything everywhere all at once the new michelle yo film and I-, I believe what are the filmmakers name i think uh, I-, I don't even guys can you help me do you know what the hey, bruce you know what the filmmakers of the the something brothers they're not the brothers the daniel kwan the Daniels, the Daniels. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart. Oh, very, correct? very, very, yes, very, very good. All three of us have seen the movie. We're going to give our reactions to everything, everywhere, all at once. But first, let's get to our, and, and also, by the way, we're going to end our, our episode with a Dean Koontz wallet watch. It's my pick of the month. It's a movie called Sweet Swell, Sweet Swell, no, Sweet Smell of Success, starring Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis and some un- interesting, interesting other character actors. And it's set in New York, very black and white film, some really interesting stuff. Now, first, let's start off with a movie that is called, first of all, I've never seen this movie called The Art of Self-Defense. I've seen portions of it. It stars Jesse Eisenberg, one of my favorite actors, Imogen Poots. Eric or Bruce, have you ever seen The Art of Self-Defense? It stars Alessandro Novola, came out in 2019. Are any of you familiar with this film? I have not. Bruce? Yes, 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 I have seen it, yes. And your thoughts on The Art of Self-Defense? Were you not about this at all? Or I was not about it. A lot of people really loved it. It's kind of that quirky, indie, um, I guess, comedy crime action kind of a thing sort of weird it's sort of weird it's a lot about this dojo and some strange going ons around it but for me i thought it was kind of up its own ass a little bit too much for my taste but uh okay didn't work fair enough it's it's currently as we speak as we're recording i believe it's streaming on hulu you can give it a shot in fairness to bruce's assessment of the art of self-defense it's sort of one of these movies that a lot of people have heard reviews of the art of self-defense and they really enjoyed it the performances and the actual storyline but then there are other people who are in bruce's camp and they actually said nah um this is not for me it's a little bit too pretentious so it'll be interesting the reason why we're mentioning this movie is because the director of that film is his name is riley stearns riley stearns has another movie for this year and for this year and it's called duel hi I'm currently dying, and I would like to schedule a consultation. Sarah. Hi there. 
I'm sure you're familiar with the process. When you know you're going to die, you can have yourself cloned. You have very clean skin. I like your shirt. But life has thrown you a curveball. You're not dying anymore. The duel to the death will be in approximately one year. Wait, did you say duel to the death? Can't have two of you walking around forever. It'd be ridiculous. Do you want to live? Yes. I don't believe you. I may be a size smaller than you. I'm going to kill her. A properly trained human body is a weapon. You're pretending to be me while I'm still alive. Even if I can't be with her, I don't want to be with you. Always use the gun if it's an option. Stab. I find guns to be boring and overused. If it's the difference between life and death, it's okay to be boring. Your mental tricks aren't going to work. Taking over my life was the plan, not stealing it. This is my life. She's not going to take it from me. What are my chances? Zero. Nothing is ever absolutely certain, though this most certainly is. I really value your friendship. I'll miss that when you die. Speaking of which, any updates? Not duel as in duel, the Dennis Weaver film, like D-U-E-L. It's duel, D-U-A-L, centers on dual personalities, maybe in, in a clone. Karen Gillan, the, yeah, Karen Gillan from Guardians of the Galaxy, and she was recently in, I think, one of Bruce Perky's favorite films, or was it Eric Holmes? One of the favorite, oh, Bruce, one of his favorite films of the year, The Bubble. I'm kidding. It's on Netflix. It was, it's a movie that I loved and Bruce and Eric did, were not big fans of. But anyways, Karen Gillan, she plays this woman who realizes she, she, she's given a terminal diagnosis. She has maybe a year to live. She's dying. And so she decides, well, she doesn't want to tell her mom about this. And her boyfriend, who she's almost on the outs with, she doesn't want to hurt his feelings as well. So she decides to actually have a clone. We're we're living in a future where you can just, I think, like spit on a tissue or something. And then you can actually develop your own clone, especially if you are in the process of dying. If you have a terminal diagnosis, she decides to have a clone. Midstream, though, when she has that clone, when she has a clone made and she buys it, she she has another diagnosis that she's actually about to live. She's now in remission. And so the only way to do it is she decides to actually decommission the clone. The clone doesn't want to be decommissioned because she's actually ingratiated herself as said woman. So the only way this can be solved is they actually end up in a, in a duel, duel to the death. Okay, duel to the death. So it's interesting because the moniker is D-U-A-L, duel. It's a look at the personalities of, of our own personalities, just our our black and white sides, or our gray sides, but then there's also a requisite duel in this film. Eric Holmes, it's a, it's a, I don't even know how to talk about this. Is it a psychological thriller? Is it just a surreal drama? Where did this movie duel, which also co-stars Aaron Paul, aka from Breaking Bad, and also Theo James in a very cameo role, 
Did this land anywhere with you, Eric? This movie was very much like Swan Song. It had very stilted dialogue in it. The dialogue was very distracting listening to it throughout the movie. I'm not quite sure why that choice was made. I don't think it was an acting choice, most likely a director choice. And much like right now, it was very distracting. It was hard to pay attention to the story when listening to the dialogue go on like I'm talking right now. <laughs> Bruce, in but fairness, that, I mean, Eric, a, in fairness, no, I want to tell you something about this movie. It does have specific dialogue. And one of our favorite dialogue masters is one fucking David Mamet. <clears throat> so I'm wondering, and Aaron Sorkin's one of your favorite writers as well. And he's really all over the place and really interesting. But sometimes certain types of dialogue don't work. And did it really distract you from the overall enjoyment of it? It did. Film? It, yeah, it did. It did. Um, and like the, I, I was thinking about that too, because Aaron Sorkin movies have a specific cadence. Uh, Tarantino movies have a specific cadence. Certain, certain writers have specific cadence to their dialogue. And a lot of time, well, shoot. I mean, we're going to be talking about a movie. Sweet milk success is not as much, but hey, that copper, you know, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, there's stylized dialogue and I can usually get behind that, but the, this indie porn dialogue, the real stilted thing, it kind of, it kind of bugs me. That being said, I kind of like this movie because I like the, I like the, I like the uh, story along with it. And, you know, eventually I just got, I just kind of got over the, the delivery of the dialogue, uh, del- you know, the, I, I don't want to say it's a perform. Well, I mean, it is a performance, but it, it doesn't feel like an actor's performance. It feels like the director wanted this kind of this kind of delivery because everyone's doing it, and it's not the actors normally act in other movies or TV shows. But yeah, it was definitely a barrier of entry for me. But once I kind of got over that, I did like the how it got a little. You know, it, it was it was a lot like uh, Swan Song with uh, Mahershala Ali, I think, is in that where he's got his double. And I think they had another movie like that. They can't think of right now. And so it, it's that kind of story, but with uh, more genre elements, a little bit of Battle Royale to it or, you know, Hunger Games for those who haven't seen Battle Royale. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, it, it, it was it was pretty decent. Um was getting real annoyed with it at first and it kind of came around to it once i got once i got over that hump at the end of the movie you ended up liking it is it a movie we're going to get the rating down the line but is it a movie that you would almost mildly recommend as far as it turned around for you as far as yeah in in fact i I think this uh the movie would have had me right off the jump had it not been for that diet you know that performance choice i guess i i probably would have liked it a lot sooner it just took a while for me to get used to that whole thing. Cause like, it's almost a little, I don't know if what, like Wes Anderson kind of does stuff like that. A bunch of indie movies do stuff like that. And when they do that kind of, that kind of dialogue cadence, it just bugs me. So it just took me a while to get past that. And once I did, I, I liked the movie for what it was. I, I liked the story and I liked where it went and I really liked the ending. So there, oh, there it is. It, it's definitely a recommend for me. Just I'm surprised. Let's not, let's not I'm surprised that. you like it. Pleas- I'm pleasantly surprised that you liked it. This movie does have its, its pretense regarding the cadence and the, the elocution, all that stuff. And I think it might put off a lot of people. I tend to put off a lot of people in general. I love the dialogue from the get go. I, I I swallowed this movie hook, line, and sinker. I'm glad I was glad that you actually uh, would recommend this as well, Eric. So I I really enjoyed the performances. I liked where it was going. 
And I liked where it also didn't go. It didn't follow certain tropes, but there may be, we go, we talk about barriers of entry for, for some viewers as well. I don't know, Bruce, where do you land regarding dual? I had a very similar journey to Eric's journey. And that at first I was like, why is Karen Gillan doing this role the way she's doing it? And then I came down on the same decision that that was an, a directing choice, not an acting choice, because I've seen her in a lot of other things and she's, she can be charismatic. And in this, she's very flat, kind of a, a flat affect. So I think I even wrote on one point, why is there's a strange effect to her? But what I think is most worrisome about that in this movie particularly is that she has to play herself as a clone and it's if there's ever a movie where you want to differentiate the two performances of your character it's when you're the same character as a clone and you want to show that one doesn't really quite know what a human being's life is like yet and the other one lives a normal human being's life but from the get-go um karen gillen's character is, is like a robot or something the way she talks. So that that was really also distracting to me. And then in the middle, I thought it was kind of entertaining with the whole being trained by Aaron Paul kind of thing, which also though felt to me like, oh, we got to go back to a dojo, I guess. That's, that's what this guy has to do. That's kind of the core of his movie. I thought the best thing about this movie was the concept. The concept was really interesting. And I liked this whole kind of construct of how you deal with clones and if a clone says, nope, I don't want to go back, like how you have to basically, one of them has to go, to fight to the death. I thought what would have been interesting was if the second half of this movie was subverting the rules of that. In other words, they tell you this is what you do. When this happens, you have to meet and you have to, one of you has to kill each other. And that's how it works. I would have liked to have seen them maybe more of a cat and mouse, almost like spy versus spy or something, you know, not that goofy, but that kind of concept, like what's keeping them from trying to kill each other off the grid, you know? So I would have liked to have seen a lot more variation at the second half of this. For me, it was a, it was a kind of a dud. I thought it was a, like a huge missed opportunity. Like those movies where you get interesting concept, very uninteresting execution. And for me, Duel is a very cerebral uh, film. And I just, I would recommend it. Again, this goes to Bruce's review of this, that there will be, it takes a certain POV that a lot of people will not go into and may not actually find their hooks into Duel. But I found my hooks into Duel. I'm giving it four stars. Bruce, your rating on Duel? Uh, Two. Two stars for Bruce Perky, four stars for me, Eric Holmes. What is your rating on Duel? I would probably go three and a half because I, I, we didn't even mention Aaron Paul. I really liked Aaron Paul in this. He did that stilted dialogue as well, but uh, <laughs> he kind of, he kind of a little bit of Jesse Pinkman slipped out. So I appreciated that. And I, I did like the ending to it. Also to uh, uh, Bruce mentioned the, there can only be one, there can only be one person the, when they make the, the duel or, or the, right. the clone. The clone. There's a part where they show twins. They don't kill the other twin. So I, it would have been neat to see them, uh, as Bruce says, get out of their own ass a little bit and explore the, explore the world in which they created. But I, I do agree that this could have been better, but as it is, Three and a half seems seems about fair for this. Okay, so that's a solid recommend. Yeah, go ahead. What was the movie we saw with uh, Numi that was the seven? Oh, uh, yeah. What happened to Monday? That's an example of one where you kind of take a kind of a similar concept, but you really explore it in really unusual, weird ways. And it's a lot of fun. And this was not a lot of 
fun. <laughs> it was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually interviewed Riley Stearns earlier in the week, and I, I should actually put it up on one of the channels. But I, it goes to your point, Bruce. I said, I, the, the reason why I like Duel is because it wasn't genre-driven. It, it started with a genre concept, and it just completely strayed away from that. And I think that's where the road is going to some people who want – I love what happened in Monday, too, I, the great film. But – I you know, I, I like the fact that this is just a completely different thing. And I know a lot of people will not like it just because of that. So now that is Duel from RLJE Films. It hits theaters April 15th, 2022. And it'll also be available on digital, on demand, and on streaming on AMC Plus as well. Not on April 15th, but on May 20th. So right now you can catch it in theaters on April 15th on Friday. But next month you can catch it on all these platforms as well. Before we get to our second review, let's go to Minamata. And Bruce, you were you did some really extra work on this. And it's a Johnny Depp film. It's, it's based on a true story, photographer. And we received a digital link last week we I, I should have gotten to it sooner than later yeah apologies for that but you were you were able to get to it you're halfway done should people see mm-hmm. this johnny depp film what what do you like about it so far or or how how would you sway them not to go see this movie well so far i would say this is definitely um you know you got a historical pseudo biopic kind of a thing i think that in that aspect it's it's pretty broadly entertaining i i don't think it's going to reinvent the wheel but i think if you kind of like that kind of that subgenre not as heavy as like dark waters it's the subject matters is but the way it's presented is a little more i guess crowd pleasing i guess i'd say so the basic concept is that you got uh, johnny depp and he's playing this real life i didn't write down the name of the of the photographer but real life very very famous photographer for life magazine and Eugene he Smith. gets presented yeah, he gets presented with this thing about how all these people are being mercury mercury poisoning, I believe, or some kind of chemical poisoning in Minamata, Japan, and which is a real thing. And you can find the real photos that he took. And he basically convinces his the publishers and stuff of Life magazine, who are kind of on the outs with him because he's sort of becoming a drunk and not very reliable. And they're like, he's like convinces them to send him over there to get the story and to try, break it out to the world because uh, a lot of people are having a lot of problems. Uh, kids are having you know, birth defects, all kinds of stuff. And by halfway through it, it's got certain aspects that you kind of expect that, you know, kind of uncovering the secrets and uncovering the nefarious activities of the co- of the the companies. But it does it in a pretty straightforward, but also really grounded, grounded way. Uh, you've got some intrigue as well. Like there's a point where they're going to, they break into the plant to try to get photography from inside the plant. And of course that is not looked upon well and then it's him spending a lot of time in the town so so far i'm I'm really enjoying it quite a bit i think it's it's pretty solid it's released by samuel golden films you can watch so far bruce is liking it hopefully it does not suffer some kind of nosedive within the second half it's currently as we speak as we're recording it's certified fresh on rotten tomatoes it's available on vod and digital so eric maybe you and i can actually rewind this and support bruce next week for minamana maybe we'll see if it's any good as well because we have where you know we're you know we're we're not making millions of dollars on this podcast, but we get free movies. It's yes, a pretty yes, subdued yes, uh, depth too. So if you kind of get annoyed by the really crazy, I don't know, <laughs> Mad Hatter Johnny Depp, this is Johnny Depp trying to play it down quite a bit. So I appreciated that too. 
So, okay. So that is Minamata. I'm actually excited to see this. Congratulations on Bruce City. You're, you're already ahead. You know, you're not ahead on next week. I, I decided this week, you know, I'm just going to make sure that we get all to get our screeners on Wednesday evening, uh, Tuesday evening from next week. So you're not five or six movies ahead of us. Uh, Eric and I have been in cahoots all weekend. We're, we're on this conspiracy for Bruce not to actually be. Are you okay with that, Eric, that we're not getting movies just so we can just delay Bruce's early watch of all these movies? He does his homework way too early. Do you agree? Or do you think he's just doing a better job than me and you? Bruce does his homework exactly at the time he needs to do it. Okay, don't don't <laughs> defend Bruce. Don't def- <laughs> very very good. Okay, so that is Minamana as far halfway done. I can't wait to actually see that movie as well. Here's a movie that I am absolutely madly in love with, and I have a feeling that there are people in this world who are madly in love with this film. I don't know people probably in my sphere who would probably take this to heart. There's a but I for some reason. Like Bruce had with several weeks ago with Mothering Sunday. There's something about the girl and the spider which caught me so off guard. I, with first 10 minutes of this movie, I'm thinking, what the bleep am I watching? Get me out of here. And by the end of this movie, this is movies directed by Raymond, oh, Ramon Zerker and Sylvian Zerker from The Strange Little Cat. The movie is called The Girl and the Spider, and it's a very simple story. It centers on the moving the two-day move of a young girl. She's moving from one place to another. And during this move, you get to really you get you get to meet the next door neighbors of both residences. You the mother moves in. You get to learn about the mother. You get to learn about the soon-to-be ex-roommate. You get to learn about all of these little incidental characters who actually for maybe five to seven minutes of this narrative become major characters in their own little story. So it's imagine a movie, a Robert Altman-esque story set somewhere like in, I don't know where it's set in. Do you guys know where it's set in? I'm thinking, uh, it, it's oh, just an, is it in Paris somewhere. Yeah, I'm thinking Paris, right? But it's just a, it's an amazing film. I was, I was absolutely entranced by this entire movie because it doesn't actually follow. You know, there's one, there's one character who the the soon to be ex roommate. You follow her a little bit, but then it just goes off and veers into so many different directions. And it has a lot of things to say about life, which probably I go right over my head. But this is one of these movies, The Girl and the Spider, that I think if you really like it the first go round, you might want to actually see it again and pick up certain kind of interactions and little just little dances here and there. It's just a very intricate, intricate film. This is a five-star film for me, but this is the caveat to this is I don't know how many people will love this as much as I do. Let's start with you, Bruce. Am I completely on my own little island about this? Do you see some kind of allure behind The Girl and the Spider? Well, you're not on your own little island, but I'm not on your island. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, no, there's there's something to be said for this movie. It's it's beautifully shot. Um, it's really precise and intricate, and it definitely is like very, um, just like it's put together very very um, precisely. I guess is the best way I could say it. It, it has a, a feel like it's it's assured, it's well assured, uh, self assured too. My biggest problem is kind of the same problem I had with uh, Duel. These do none of these people act like people to me? Um, it, I kept being reminded of, uh, you know, the cover of uh, U2's Joshua Tree or where they're all kind of standing 
And one's looking to the side, one's looking to the front. They're all like in the same frame, but they're at a different depth from each other. This movie is full of shots where it's like three or four characters and they're all in the same shot. They're in a hallway or a room and a couple are behind the others and someone's looking at you and someone's looking to the side and they're all smiling. They kind of have this, they're all like sociopaths. I, I, I didn't understand it. They they are really weird. The interactions made no sense to me. The one main character literally at one point uh, pours hot tea on a dog's back uh, just right. because she, I mean, her whole character is like the character that pulls wings off of a fly just to see what will happen. That's what she's doing the whole movie. But a lot of the other characters are doing similar things. And they interact in a way that's like weirdly, they're always smiling but vicious to each other in in very underhanded ways. I did not understand what this movie was at all. Uh, And if you want to talk about something that thinks it's very self-consciously symbolic, this movie is like, hey, remember all those symbols I showed you in the last 20 minutes? We're going to have a little two-minute musical interlude where I show you all those symbols again so you don't forget them. And then we're going to do that again in 20 more minutes. And then we're going to do that again in 20 more minutes. You want to see a old lady that you met earlier on the roof of the, of the house during a thunderstorm, like being weird, like David Lynch. Sure. We'll throw that in there. Why not? Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Big no. Big no for you. Eric, your thoughts on the girl and the spider. I started off exactly like where Bruce is and I kind of ended up pretty close to where you currently are. Get out of here. This is, by the way, this is a Swiss production, so I don't even know specifically where it's set, but it's okay, a production so maybe Switzerland, Switzerland, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So I, I, we're both morons when it comes to yeah. it's. It's somewhere in Europe. Okay, that's such a moronic thing to say. There I you apologize. go. It's one hundred percent takes place on Earth. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, sorry, I'm not Eric. sure about that. They were aliens, as far as I could tell. Uh, but the filmmakers aren't from Earth, but the movie is set. <laughs> None of the characters are either. This 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 movie really bugged the shit out of me at the beginning, and it, I kind of I, I don't know what brought me in, but there was a there was a part that kind of drew me in. I think it was <clears throat> throughout the movie. Um, they often have really uh, personal. Cause there's a bunch of people all in this all in this apartment or the wherever they're at and they're all close together family and friends um but every once in a while the you know a couple characters get together and have a personal moment and then the camera just lingers on them and then when when the moment gets really personal it cuts to the person that's just been staring at them the whole time yeah that's and weird. Then, and then the camera yeah, follows the them point. for a while and yeah. then they have their moment and then <laughs> So it 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 there was points in the movie where it's like you know I'm getting drawn into what the characters are doing, and I'm like, oh, who are they going to cut to? There's definitely someone staring, and I thought, I'm the one staring at them. I'm <laughs> I'm the voyeur here. Oh, so so then it kind of then I kind of started and and the, w- with what Bruce said, where they where they go back and show the different I guess screenshots Clues, or stills or whatever. Right. I never, I, I noticed that. I don't know what those mean, uh, but once I, once I kind of uh, got hip to the fact that, oh, I'm, you know, oh, they're voyeurs. There's, you know, it's very voyeuristic. And then I come to find that, oh no, I'm the voyeur. It kind of, it, maybe that was it, that it kind of, uh, the movie got a little different flavor to me. I, I guess I kind of air quote yeah. got it at some point, not totally, but I started kind of uh, started kind of warming to the movie 
I, I definitely like the characters. Um, that is as strange as they are. Um, you know, it's weird. I, it's like you go through a little. Uh, what is it? Uh, is it a swap meet or a um, farmer's market? And you just sample different foods, foodstuffs, just little yeah. morsels here and there. And the girl and the spider seem to me like you're just. There's all these weird symbols that like Bruce is saying. Like, oh, there's a spider. There's the weird stuff with the tea and the do- the coffee and yeah. the dog, which I personally did not like as well. But there's all these little clues or little moments with these people that you get to really just sample throughout. Yeah. You don't get a full meal from any of these people, but you by the end you're just like, oh, there's nice morsels yeah. of each of these people. So yeah, but I mean, there was definitely a, definitely a point early on in this movie where I'm like, I don't care what the symbolism means. I fucking hate this movie. And then just uh, something clicked like halfway through. And then now I'm like, kinda, I kind of want to go back and dissect this thing and like figure it out. And so like the, the me at the beginning of this movie and the me at the end of this movie have two completely different takes, uh, completely different. Uh, I went from Bruce to Greg <laughs> throughout this. Never go cool. from Bruce to Greg. Wrong <laughs> choice. <laughs> That's very right. Yeah, you're right, Bruce. Wrong, to- wrong choice. Eric, let's just say you did watch this movie again. If you have time and you watch this movie again, what if you don't solve or put the puzzle pieces together again? Is it is it one of those movies that's still worth a watch because of all those things that's happening and you don't really have to figure it out the second time around? You know what I'm saying with with all yeah, the different layers. I mean, it it, it kind of works. It, it almost plays like a, uh, and we'll talk about another movie that does this too. It almost plays like a, uh, uh, oh, geez, my brain sucks today. Oh, with the noise, a word and different little vignettes. It kind of plays like vignettes. Uh, okay. Short. There, there's a word for oh. it. And I can't think of <laughs> there's oh, a oh, word for oh, it. An- analogies and uh, anthro- anthro- uh, analogy and I'm thinking right, we're getting there. We're getting there. Anthropology right. analogies um, like Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone is like tw- the movies like episodic. Yeah. Sonic? Anthology. 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 Yeah. We got there, folks. Yeah. Thanks for joining yeah. us. You're listening <laughs> to Finder Film. Um, but Find the, your this, yeah. um, this movie reminded me a lot of uh, the Paris of Shade Tame. Uh, right. Yeah. Paris, I love you. Love that. Actually, we're, we're going to talk about another movie probably after this that also reminded me of that. Um, so it, it kind of, uh, it felt like a, uh, it felt like an episode of Paris of Tame just extended out a little bit and actually maybe i wonder if this would probably work better as like a half hour short maybe um Hmm. but as it as it was uh i started off hating it and i ended up kind of kind of digging picking up what it was putting down and actually i wouldn't mind watching it again that i'm very happy that you actually liked it what is your rating on the girl in the spider eric holmes uh, this also would probably be a three and a half, but this is a three and a half with room to grow. Cause I think I'll probably, if I get a chance to watch this again, I probably like it a lot more than I did the first time going through. <laughs> okay. So three and a half room to grow from Eric, five stars for me, Bruce, your rating on the girl and the spider two, two stars from Bruce Perky on the girl and the spider opens this Friday in Los Angeles at the Lamley Royal. It w- it's currently playing in New York at the film at Lincoln center and the Metrograph. And it will be followed in the coming weeks with a national rollout. It would be interesting to see what you guys think of the girl and the, and the spider. And also it won at the 2021 Berlinale winner for best director as well. So it has actually has its share of critical, critical acclaim. And I've read reviews on the girl and the spider, which actually has glowing reviews as well as reviews where it's mixed. So there is a whole just variety of reviews regarding uh, and reactions regarding the girl and the spider. Now, last but not least, there's another, we mentioned Paris Jatem, 
One of the things I like about Parish Shatem, I don't know if you remember this, Eric Holmes, towards the end of uh, Parish Shatem, there's a, a, I think an elderly woman, a woman, or middle, actually, I think it's a woman in her mid-50s, and I think it's the last part of that anthology. She, you're, you're actually following her around Paris, and she's very lonely, and you think she's very lonely, and she goes to, well, I guess maybe she goes to a cafe by herself, she does all these things by herself, and you think... The tone of the short is she's actually a very lonely woman, but at the end, you realize she's sitting, I think she's sitting on a bench and she's overlooking the city and she says, Paris, I love you. What actually seems like a person alone, which should be, you know, you should actually empathize or sympathize with her being alone. No, you should actually, by the end, you realize she loves being alone. She loves being part of Paris. And it was, that was a very emotional, evocative moment in Paris Tam. Now, what's interesting is, I'm wondering for this new movie, Paris 13th District, does it does it have the same kind of resonance as Paris I Love You? Well, first of all, it's not as rhapsodic as Paris Jatem, but Paris 13th District is directed by Jacques Jacques Adiard, Adiard, and it's I think he directed the movie The Western Sisters Brothers and I think Rustin Bone. Bruce or Eric, have you seen any of his movies beforehand? Deepan, have you seen any of that stuff? Bruce? Um I did a profit on here as a box movie. Yeah. And so you you actually like him as a director, you or you like that movie as well? Or you, so yeah. So cool. So Paris 13th District. What what can we say about this? It's it just centers on several people living in Paris. One of them is a young girl, maybe in her early twenties. She's uh, Asian, French, and she her, her latest roommate ends up being her lover for a little bit. He's uh, he's a really interesting human being as well. He's and they make for a nice couple, but their relationship starts off really hot and heavy, but it morphs into something different. Then you follow her life, you follow his life, you follow the lives that they touch. There's also one of the actresses from Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I believe, and she's also in this. You get to follow. The, the um the actual journey of this other woman who comes in I, I guess like thirty minutes into the storyline and that is who is that I believe it's Nomi Merlant she she shows up midway through the movie very interesting and it's written one of the writers from this is Celine Siama Siama from Portrait of a Lady on Fire she's one of the writers on Paris Thirteenth District by the way the movie is also shot in black and white I think it's really gorgeous to look at a life in Paris. Ultimately, though, there's some. I, I feel like, look here. Here's the synopsis: Emily meets Camille, who is attracted to Nora, who crosses the paths of Amber. Three girls and a boy redefine what modern love is. My problem with this movie is it didn't redefine anything about modern love. It just felt like a tropey romantic comedy drama shot by Jacques Adiard, which is awesome for me. I was fine with that. I was completely fine with it, but I don't think it re- redefined anything. I still ended up really enjoying Paris 13th District in theaters and on demand this Friday. Eric Holmes, how did this movie, did this movie hit you the same way as The Girl in the Spider? Maybe more or maybe even less? Uh, this actually hit me a lot more. This was like a uh, uh, episode of Paris Tame, but it was like uh, where the, uh, the, the Girl in the Spider is like, an extended version where I think it should have stayed a half hour version. This is like an episode of Paris should tame where I'm glad it got spread out. Cause I, I think it works more. I don't think it uh, redefines relationships, but I think this is a lot more honest um, where uh, romance and love stories like this tend to go. It's, it's, uh, it, it's people making choices and they, they don't have to pay for those choices, whether they deserve to, you know, in, in, in the case of one, she's like, uh, Oh, don't fall in love. And it's like, okay, I won't. 
And then she's like, why don't you love me anymore? It's like, you told me not to. And then, so she kind of gets what she has coming to her. Uh, another girl did uh, like a only fans or online porn thing. She made a choice and she's paying for that and she shouldn't have to, you know, feel bad about that, you know? And so it, it kind of, uh, it kind of plays with that. It does the love triangle thing really well. Um, Cause there, there's a lot of the, you know, it's almost like Magnolia where it, it, just all the characters kind of weave in and out of each other, even though uh, some of them may never intersect. Um, but they all, you know, the, this one was one I liked a lot. As uh, as far as the as far as the love stories go, this is probably one of the better ones I've seen in quite a while. Wow, that's saying a lot. It just hit you the right way, then. Yeah, and and you know, I, I wasn't even. I, I guess maybe because I I saw this after uh, the girl and the spider, so I was already kind of in parachute tame. <laughs> and uh, fuck, we we should probably just. Uh, We'd probably just uh, cover that at some point soon because it's getting a lot of airtime on here. But um, that I was, I guess I was kind of already in that mode. So then when I was watching this, I was kind of already for that. And it, you know, it started off kind of slow. It's like, okay, this is going to be, you know, whatever. And then once, uh, once it kind of started rolling with the characters and getting into the, the ins and outs and all the, weird idiosyncrasies or whatever between them. Uh, I, I was following the story and I was interested in what happened to people and the characters. And yeah, I, I, I was just all on board pretty quick with this one. Yeah. Let, let's mention the main actors, Lucy Zhang, Makita Samba, aforementioned Nomi Merlant from Portrait of Lady on... What was, what's the name of the movie? Portrait of Lady on Fire? Is that the, is that the movie? The Yes. Yeah. Uh, Merlant from that film and Jenny Beth... The person who played that OnlyFans or you know porn star person that it's played by Jenny Beth. All of these actors are very good in this movie. Very very good in Paris Thirteenth District. Well, I liked it. Eric liked it more than me. How about you, Bruce? What do you think? Yeah, I like this movie quite a bit too. Unlike the other two that we just talked about that didn't have recognizable human beings in them, this had recognizable human beings in it, and to the degree that it made it interesting. And that they weren't. I didn't think they were tropey, other than people fall in love in real life and people fall out of love and people hold on to love when someone else leaves. So that's all real world stuff. It's messy in the way that the real world is. I think this is more in the territory of something like um, worst person in the world. This is like that in a lot of ways where that was very much how it's messy trying to navigate. This is the same sort of thing. It's very messy that they're unlikable at times. And a lot of times these characters are unlikable. They're doing unlikable things, but those things have to resolve or not resolve in different ways. I think to me, it became, it went from being okay to being really good when the third character got introduced, because once her story started, I really wasn't sure how this was going to go. And uh, it kept being interesting and um, surprising, I thought, and beautiful and really well acted. And um, I think this is a very, very excellent movie. I liked it quite a bit. Worthy of a rewatch, Bruce. I think so. I mean, we didn't even mention this. It's beautiful. It's also like one of the sexier movies I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's unabashedly so. And actually that way, it's kind of rare to see that these days. Rare, Rare to have any kind of nudity or sex scenes where it's supposed to be sexy and you're supposed to like the characters. Usually it's played for something else. And I think that is refreshing as well. It should 
be weird, but in the, it's almost weird these days. So yeah, and like you said, the, the the sex scenes in this movie are part of the storyline. They're not extraneous, right? They're they're necessary in many ways. Yeah, but it's also not ashamed to do it. You know what I mean? Like it's like so many movies now. It's either ashamed to do it or it has to make it something terrible. And it's like no, this is also part of this world, and we're going to show it to you, and it's good. Uh, and it is still complicated because sometimes when they're doing things. I won't talk about some of the characters, some of the scenes that they have. There's some scenes where they're playing out something that is the end of a relationship. There's a couple of those that happen. And you're like, okay, that's different, but also kind of interesting. You know, I, I thought this was really quite, quite good. You know, I forgot to mention this. I don't know if you guys agree with this. This movie makes a bunch of time jumps. And because you're so involved with the movie that it's not so obvious, meaning everything seems very, did you guys feel that way? It's just, seem, it's a seamless transition. You're like, oh, what? A month happened? 30 days went by and we're just, okay, next scene. Now that you mention it, I do remember because there was a part where, uh, hey, we haven't seen you there in a while. It was like, oh, yeah, I guess. uh, But yeah, it it, it didn't jump out at me until you just mentioned it now. And I'm like, yeah, I guess they did have that (laughs) jump. Okay, so that is Paris. Oh, go ahead. And they drop in the small, there's small side characters they drop in. They give little subplots that actually all pay off too. Like there's the little sister, there's the grandmother. All those characters are involved in this as well, and those are part of the the overall story, which I also appreciated, as opposed to being people standing in the corner staring <laughs> for a while. I mean, there, there's a classmate that it's it's very it's a sort of like a cameo thing, but very incidental character. But that that classmate situation pays off. Yeah, you know, there's all these little things, little nuggets that definitely do pay off. It's a fully fleshed film in, in many ways. So in, it's in theaters and on demand Friday, April fifteenth. Paris Thirteenth District. I give it four stars. Eric Combs, what about you? Um, I th- I'm gonna call this one a banger. I'm gonna go five stars on this one. Because it's uh, you know it's a, it's been a while since I seen a love story that that I took to this much though, and I think I think there's uh, I I don't know how many people listening, but I think there's some people that's gonna watch this. This might be like one of their favorite movies, but also there's people that's gonna watch it going. I don't see what the big deal is, but like if you're into if you're into like chick flicks or love stories or uh, just movies that go in that in that kind of ballpark i think i think there's some people that's gonna really take to this one okay bruce what about you uh i'm four and a half stars i think it's it's really good wow this is actually probably our one of our uh, top rated movies in the last several weeks that is paris 13th district four stars for me four and a half stars for bruce perky five-star banger for eric holmes again romantic comedy uh, uh, romantic drama or just drama this is a movie that's worth watching directed by jacques ariard Bruce has already seen Un Prophet and The Prophet, or A Prophet, and I think hopefully after this, maybe you guys might want to see the Western Sisters Brothers. I know I do. I haven't seen that movie yet, John C. Riley, and who else is in it? John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. It would be interesting to see what Jacques Adiard brings to the Western genre, because obviously he brings a lot of stuff to this uh, romantic drama genre in Paris. So, all right, that is it. We're now on to our recommendations. Before we get into our big, big recommendations, there's a recommendation that Bruce has that, unfortunately, for the last five or six years, I remember Andrew Martin from Andrew Watches Movies, He, I think he messaged me and he said, Craig, you're going to love this movie called Thelma. It's really right up your alley. You need to see it immediately. And I said, yes, Andrew Martin, I will see this immediately, just like I saw Duel. It's been years and I haven't seen Thelma. The good thing is, Bruce, you've seen Thelma. Why did you go for this? Was this just a blind watch for you? Real quick, Greg, are you sure you said Thelma, not Ambulance? 
because I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> oh, pretty sure good. Andrew uh, loved, loved ambulance. ambulance. Yes, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to, sure it was his favorite movie this year. So <laughs> yes, if you want to check out, I'm sorry, Andrew. Andrew. Martin, <laughs> if you want to check out Andrew Martin's quote unquote glowing review of the Michael Bay film Ambulance, check out Andrew. Watch his movies. He's been hard at work doing a lot of a lot of really in depth reviews on movies of the day or movies he's caught and streaming. Andrew watches movies. It's a very personal journey from one Andrew Martin worth. He's our friend, but we actually listen to it because he. I'll, I'll be honest. He's the one pod, the movie podcast I, I do listen to. Just when I'm not trying to edit edit the ish out of our, our podcast and ruining our podcast and editing the, the actual essence of Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. And my, I was going to say edit the essence of myself. I have no essence, but whenever I'm not doing that, I'm listening. I'm honestly listening to Andrew watches movies. So anyways, with that said, Thelma, Bruce Perky, I'm excited. Is it a movie for me? Is it a movie for everyone? This is a movie because worst person you were mentioning worst person in the world, right? Is that the reason why? Okay. Tell us that, that. That's what brought me back to it. This is one of those movies. Um, Kind of like brothers, sisters, where those movies that you always see come up on your feed as suggested for you or one of those kind of things. And you keep seeing it. You keep like, I don't know what that is. And this, I kept seeing this little picture. And then it reminded me again when we saw Worst Person in the World. I heard that director talking on another podcast and he talked and they were talking about how they loved Thelma of his movies. And then I also heard Andrew again recently mentioning it. He liked it. I'm like, okay, I guess I got to check out Thelma. Uh, the poster is like a picture of a girl's face with like a dead bird across it. You're just like, what is this movie? Uh, I think it's on Hulu right now. It's by uh, directed by, how do you say his name? Joaquin Trier? Yes, exactly. Uh, worst person in the world recently, most recently and acclaimed, of course. So I'm going to give you the very beginning of this movie because this beginning caught me and it's really, it's very short. It's the opening moments. It's just a man and his young daughter. She looks like she's like eight or nine. He's walking with her. He's got a gun, like they're going to go hunting. They're walking across the ice, uh, a frozen lake or, or something, frozen river. And they're walking across it and she's looking down and seeing all the little fish. And then there's a shot from underneath of the fish. You can see them through the ice. They walk out into the forest next to the to the um, frozen lake. They see a deer and they stop silently. And the father holds the gun up to shoot the deer. And then you see him slowly turn the gun towards the little girl's head. And then the title comes up. And that's the beginning of this movie. This wow. movie fast forward that, 20 years and then nothing happens for a half hour. They right? fast forward 20 years. <laughs> they do. Um, because she is Thelma, of course. Uh, but it immediately gets into uh, her character. And so she's, I'm not going to get too much into it. Let's just say that if you wanted to have the super duper art house Scandinavian version of Carrie, hmm. that's kind of what this movie is. I'm sold um, on that. Wow. Yeah. So it's way more slow burn. It's way more artsy. It's all that kind of stuff. But it's very, it has that same, there's that same tone, that grounded, beautifully, impeccably shot style that you get in Worst Person in the World. Uh, it's definitely not as humorous as that, but it's got some very interesting turns. Uh, the central idea is that uh, Thelma now is in college and she is not, uh, kind of like Carrie, right? She's not fitting in very well. She's been raised at home her whole life. This is kind of her first foray out into the, the bigger world. Uh, so kind of like that idea of like a homeschooled religious girl who's trying to kind of find her identity in this world. And you see very quickly that she doesn't quite fit in. And within the first few minutes of her, you see her have what looks like an epileptic seizure. 
and you see like that a swirl of birds. I forget they call that was like a swirl of birds all above something. And mm-hmm. the birds are swirling near where she has her epileptic seizure. And you immediately get the idea that like somehow when stuff happens with her, she can affect the real world. And the movie explores her discovering that and what that is, as well as discovering her history and what happened in her past. And I guarantee there's one reveal at about the two thirds mark of this movie where you discover something about when she was a kid and it is pretty impactful. It's pretty great. Uh, This isn't for everybody. You got to like the slow burn kind of movies, but if you like those kind of movies, this one really, I think has a lot to offer and really pays off and is very, very, very well done. Well, like you said, it's an art thriller, but if you, and it's in carry, what about people who are just pure genre fans? Do you think it's it's going to? It, yeah, it might I don't think so. Some? It's not. This, yeah. yeah, this isn't going to be your gory thriller. I mean, this isn't like it's not like Carrie in that aspect, right? So Carrie is very more crowd pleasing and colorful and active and stuffs going on. Even though it has a lot of character work, this is much more subdued than that. It's way more, way more with her character and grounded. It's like very, very grounded, except when it's not, <laughs> which is there is several times when it's not. It's so. subdued, but ultimately powerful. Like, does, I think does, so. Does, okay. okay. Yeah, so. it has a pretty interesting ending to it. I, I thought it really nailed the landing, but I mean, some people may not. Oh, interesting ending. Okay. Oh, well, that, that might be a clue. Some people may not like the ending of Thelma. It worked for Bruce. Now, regarding movies that work out, I guess this is a recommend that from all three of us, a recommendation from probably almost people from everything, everywhere, all at once. I think this can relate to most cinephiles out there. I don't know what else there is to say about this movie. Everyone loves it. Bruce, Eric, can you, whatever you want to say about this movie, Eric, you, you look like you have something interesting to say about this I know, movie. I, mean, I know it's in the best way, but you know, so yeah. I know what there is to say about this movie. It's not about the movie itself. Cause I, I think at this point, um, a lot of people have seen this, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? This is a movie that doesn't have people with capes and tights. And it see, and this is uh, you know just purely from my circle. I'm seeing so many people going to watch this movie in theaters and excited about it. And this is not the movie I thought that would, you know, everyone would be going to see on uh, last week. And it's like, oh, dude, have you seen everything everywhere all at once? This is like the, it, it feels like uh, it's this is one of those little movies that could, you know, and. Because it's an indie movie, it, it's it's done by the uh, the corpse farter guys and death of Dick Long guys, and uh, yeah, I, I thought this movie would have came, we would have watched it, we would have liked it, and then it would have just disappeared. But it doesn't seem to be doing that, and I'm really happy about that. I agree with you, Eric. My only disagreement was I do wish it had a little bit of more of an MCU flavor to it. Bruce, am I am I is my read on this? I'm just kidding. I was gonna say Bruce is my read on this wrong. What was what was your read on everything, everywhere, all at once? Before I, you say something, I just want to say, as an Asian American, for me, just on that, I guess, superficial level, seeing fellow Asians in a movie, pretty much. I mean. Not like this has been happening the last several years, right? With Crazy Rich Asians and all, all these other movies that were. I'm trying to think of that other movie with um. What was it? What was that movie with uh, the Coin family from several years ago? Uh, I, I still haven't seen seen with Steven Yeun. I'm, I'll look it up. But there oh, have Minari, been, Minari, Minari. Yeah, so Minari. So yeah, look. I'm glad on a superficial level that this is a, a movie that is actually features a huge Asian cast. So superficial, superficially, I like it just because of that, along with many other things. What do you love about everything, everywhere, all at once? And I, I'm sure you're happy with all the praise that it's been receiving. Uh, me? Yes. Yeah. Me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give a, I wanted to my side of what Eric was talking about and kind of the, the testimonial of 
first of all, it's showing in one place near us, which is almost an hour drive, 45 minutes each way. And nowhere, anything for the next nearest ones are 150 miles away from us. And I still felt like I needed to take both of my kids to go see this when I hadn't seen it yet. You, Greg, asked us directly, like, should I go see this? And we said, yeah. And you did. There's something that drove you to go see it. I always watch these weird movies and stuff, but no one at work ever goes and sees it. Within days, at least one of my coworkers had gone and seen this. And they, that means they had to drive and go see it. There's something about this movie that's just hitting at the right time. There's certain movies that you see them and you know, like immediately, this is going to be a lifelong cult favorite for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to love this for the rest of their lives. You know immediately that the next Comic-Con, there are going to be multiple versions of these characters portrayed at those Comic-Cons immediately. People are already making their costumes right now for characters in this movie. It's like, and it's, and it's just, it's fun. It's one of those movies, like, it's a mess in a lot of ways, right? Like, you can't suggest this to everybody. Some people, you suggest this, you suggest this to your mom, like a lot of moms, you suggest this to them. They're going to be like, what is this ridiculous movie you had me watch? I hate that. But for the people that's you know true. that kind of like yeah. this craziness, it's for them. That, that That's the weird, that's the weird thing, though, because this seems to be crossing over, though. It does. It, I because it, it is crazy as it is. I think people are just kind of in for it. And I, I, I don't, I'm not sad about it, obviously. I just right. don't, I, I don't understand why. And this came out the same weekend as Morbius. We should be yeah. talking about how, why the fuck is everyone talking about Morbius? No one is talking about Morbius. It seems that everyone's talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. And that that's it's remarkable. Awesome. It's remarkable. I, I, I think I, though, I never thought I for think- sure that I never thought in a million years, something like that would happen. Bruce, you have a great point, though. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm looking at IMDb, 8.9 out of 10. So roundly beloved. But we have to say that there will be people who will not like this movie. What right. do I What do I mean by that? I, there are people who will want to see a movie that goes from A to B with no quick cuts, not not too much editing. And I, I don't mean this in the worst way. I mean this. There are people who will want to see if they want to see a movie on, let's say, on the streaming network Stars. Like my mom, she loves, she loves movies from the 1940s and 1950s. John John Ford, long vistas, composed shots. There are so many cuts and edits to this. There is going to be a type of film goer who will watch this and they'll they'll just get a headache. Bruce, you mentioned it was a mess. It's a mess because that kind of editing language will not appeal to a certain section of cinephile. So we have to actually throw that warning as well. But I think most people will enjoy that mess and realize that mess, obviously, as you know, is intended and it's beautiful and it's artful. But we have to mention there is a barrier to some people, Eric. I also wanted to uh, point out uh, Ki Kwan, uh, Ki Hui Kwan. Um, Kwan, yeah. He was fantastic in this in yep. ways that, that I don't think is outwardly obvious because he's, you know, uh, right. obviously, I, I think a lot of people listening to this know, uh, have seen it. And he plays, he plays the two characters. He plays himself and then he plays himself from a different multiverse or whatever. And there are scenes where, because his character in the multiverse isn't wildly different than his character in the the universe, but there's scenes where he transitions back and forth. Yeah, I'm like, holy shit! Like I know, yeah, because there's there's characters where they go, you know, head down, and then they come up, and they're the new person, and he does that like once or twice. But then there's a scene where, like, he just kind of he just his face just kind of melts into the other person. You see him turning into that other person. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's a He's fucking fantastic. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go go ahead. I I, I just had a, I just had a, I absolutely agree. I want to also mention 
I want to say uh, Stephanie Shu. Is that how you say it? Stephanie Shu? Uh, uh, yeah. Stephanie Shu or Stephanie Shu. I don't know. Zoo? But okay. But she's missing. amazing as well. She's a revelation so, in this movie. So but what I wanted to say, a couple things that show you the, how great a movie is when it's really kind of above and beyond. First of all, you walk away from it. And as you start thinking back, you keep thinking about, about different scenes that you loved and you want to see again. That's a sign. The other thing is, arguably, you could say that there are at least four iconic actors who have been in iconic movies in this movie. And this might be their most iconic role. Yes. And they're all in it at the same time. That is a really a sign of something special. The fact that you can have all these stars, like Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe her best role ever. It, Not, it's maybe. Argu- <laughs> Not maybe. <laughs> but I mean, it it's is. definitely, it's, it's totally arguable, so right? And yeah. I mean, I don't know if you can say it about um, James Hong, but maybe. <laughs> but I mean, she's I so think good. Definitely she, she's so about, good in this movie. And James Michelle Yeoh, look at all things Michelle yeah. Yeoh's been in. Has she ever been in it better than in this? Has she ever had hot dog fingers before? I don't think so. I don't think so. But she did in and this I, movie. In this and you know, I will soon, right? You know that, right? Uh, do you know I that I will? Saw, I saw that. What happened? Did you order from A24 the hot dog fingers? What did you do? No, he killed the he killed the uh, the ape that turned into humans. He killed the last one with <laughs> <That's> actual <right>. fingers. <laughs> so pretty soon we're all in that. <laughs> Dude, and that that's another great thing about this movie. This movie is so stupid, like just yep. in, in concept. And then just at a snap of a finger, a character will do something or give a look to someone or say something. And all of a sudden your heart breaks. And then they go right back into the fart jokes again. <laughs> well, and it's just the unbridled creativity to like go from rocks to then all of a sudden your characters are pinatas and then your characters you know what i mean like it's just constant dude, and that's, it's, dude the scene with the rocks it's freaking amazing how, how brilliant was that it's just two rocks brilliant two two rocks in 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 fucking subtitles yeah that's come so on. good so come beautiful on. This it's beautiful. a shame this movie didn't come out in December because I think this would probably be up for best picture. But it will be best up for best picture. I, I pretty much think, think this so? is going to be. Yeah, this is this is not going to be forgotten. I do not believe it will be. Uh, no, this is going to be one of these things where how many Oscars? It's not how many will, how many Oscars will, will it, how many nominations will it receive? It's more like how many Oscars will this movie win? So I, and I think it's going to win a lot. I think it's going to win a whole bunch. And maybe it's because now we're this we're at a time where we're spotlighting minorities. Maybe we get slapped the edge, just kind of like how certain people, you know, certain years you get an edge because of just a career achievement. And, you know, it's it, it's human nature. But the good thing about this is everything, everywhere, all at once. Just outside of the whole minority perspective and everything like that, it's just a great movie. It's just yeah. it just hits on so many levels. We're talking about the entertainment value of it and the the genius and the artfulness of it. It's also very moving. Very it you yeah. Know, yeah. How, how cool would it Maybe. be for a movie with hot dog fingers win Best Picture? <laughs> very cool. So fucking cool. We didn't even it would be, it would mention all the movie I, montages. I think it's, I think it's very heartbreaking, movies. though. Yeah. 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 It, 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 I think it's it's heartbreaking that Kyo Kwan, he, he he left the business, what, what, 10 to 15 years ago? For 10 to 15 years. And he decided to come back. And so, I'm so glad he's, he came back. And it, it's it, it's it's a shame now that you're, you're thinking... Ten, we missed 10 to 15 years of Kiyoi Kwan's performances in cinema. I'm so yeah. glad now at 50, in his early 50s, he will he will be doing more films just because of this. Really great stuff in this movie. Hopefully good ones. And hopefully Pim Zam is in them as well. 
hopefully <laughs> yes Pem, we love pem zam okay so that is everything everywhere all at once if you have not if you're one of the few people who have not seen it at your local theater bruce drove 45 minutes wait how long 45 minutes each way 45 minutes how long was your drive yeah 45 yeah. minutes yeah so hour and a half drive commute just to see this movie with his two sons both his sons really enjoyed it right bruce both your sons really gave it uh high marks okay high marks for, for they gave kids. it hot dog thumbs up yes they did <laughs> <laughs> Hot dog thumbs up. Okay, so that's everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm, I'm assuming Eric and Bruce gave it five star bangers. I, I actually gave it four and a half stars, but that with <laughs> really well. So am I, am I putting, you are a monster. Putting, real quick, I did not give this movie five stars. This movie gets six point <laughs> nine get? stars. This is a movie that gets 6.9 stars. 6.9 stars from Eric Holmes. Very good rating on that. Now, I wonder, here's the thing. This was for the Dean Koontz wallet watch. Before we get we get here, I, I, has has Peter Beta seen The Long Walk as, as of yet? Do you guys know? Has he seen The Long Walk? Has he seen everything everywhere all at once? Have you guys talked to Pete? Bruce, you're you're in cahoots with, with Pete. Do you know if he's seen it yet? As far know. as everything everywhere all at once? Has, has uh, the middle class? film class crew seen it they haven't talked about it yet but they record on saturdays so they might have seen it wait 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 no pita beta and joseph have both seen it and they both loved it i'm assuming they both loved it you can check out pita beta and his crew joseph and tyler bruce doesn't know if they loved it or not and they record on saturdays but you can check them out on middle class film class on whatever podcatcher you listen to middle class film class but along with being the Head honcho, the, the chairman of middle class film class, Peter Beta is always on the skins every week. As what does he do every single week for us, Bruce Perky? Drops that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? I have bad news regarding Sweet Smell of Success. That was my monthly pick for the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch next week. Next month, I believe Bruce, it'll be Bruce Perky's turn. I don't know if I'm correct on this, but Sweet Smell of Success. I would always mention to people how I love this movie. It's directed by Alexander McKendrick. It's shot in black and white by, we're talking about Asian filmmakers and Asian creators. James Wong Howe, one of the great DPs in cinema, he lensed it. It's a very beautiful looking movie. It really captures New York in the, in the mid fifties. Very cool film. I would always tell people that it's one of Burt Lancaster's best performances. He plays a columnist who just a really bitter columnist. He's very, he's an all powerful columnist. Every, any single word from, from his pen, any single mean word can actually level the life of anyone who doesn't matter how high you are how high or low you are on the ladder if you get any kind of bad mention from this guy you're pretty much your career is pretty much over tony curtis co-stars as Sidney falco the press agent who is always trying to get in good graces with the the head honcho which is burt lancaster's character in sweet small success that is the main story of the movie i did a rewatch on this and i'll be honest i completely forgot that Burt Lancaster, he's touted as just a great performance. And it's I want to hear what Eric and Bruce have to say about great performances. Yes, it's a standard, standout performance. By the way, he is – Lancaster is Broadway columnist J.J. Hunsecker. It's a very colorful performance. What surprised me about this movie is it's not Burt Lancaster's movie at all. He is the supporting player. This is Tony Curtis's movie. I should have realized it's been, it's been – 20 years since I've seen Sweet Smell of Success, again, directed by Alexander McKendrick. Eric Holmes, you you like writers. You are you are a writer yourself. Some of the writers here is Clifford Odets, Ernest Lehman, and 
the aforementioned Alexander McKendrick. How did this movie fit for you as a writing piece and most importantly as a story? Oh, I, I like this one. The, and also, I don't know if maybe it's the time or whatever, but this one has like a lot of a lot of clever one-liners. I oh, wish oh, I would have oh. written any of them down because there's like a thousand of them in this. Um, oh, you, you mean like the cats in the bag and the bags in the river? Yeah, the cats in the bag and the bags in the river. <laughs> yeah, when, a line that Brian like, De Palma cribbed and and used in Raising Cain. <laughs> wasn't yeah. there like a it? I take a bite of you. You're a cookie, arsenic, Ar- something like that. Yes, yes, you're filled with arsenic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I can't. I can't remember one of them now. <laughs> in fact, I was going to use one of them for my name, but uh, today, but. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember any of them. But that, I mean, there's a ton. Yeah, Burt Lancaster was scary in this kind of like, not like a, not like a, you know, not like Megatron scary. <laughs> That's a bad. Uh, but he, he has, uh, he certainly has an imposing premise. I uh, love Tony Curtis in this. Is the He's uh, so good. Kind of like what would you call him? Like a patsy? Is that a is that a right word? Yeah, he, he's like a he's like a he's a slimy press agent who will do anything for. A lead and yeah. onion. Well, yeah. I mean, the, he's he's the one set up to do the thing, right? Right. I, I, yeah. I don't know how much of that we want to talk about, but well, no, we can talk about that. I mean, he set up JJ Hunsaker. Actually, he has Sidney Falco do his dirty deeds, and in this movie, centers on Hunsaker wants Sidney Falco to do a very dirty deed regarding Hunsaker's sister Susan, played by Susan Harrison. So there's something along with that, and that's a big part of. The movie and yeah. how it unfolds yeah but yes um i forget what we were talking about but yes i, I like this one a lot i, I was gonna do a, a blu-ray thing because i do have this the criterion version oh, and cool. i searched high and low in my house and i cannot find it anywhere i think That's i what, probably lent it out so i will not yeah. be doing the the that that portion of it i ended up watching it on the uh the pluto tv it doesn't work quite as well when it gets interrupted by commercials every Ads. 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I, I would probably not recommend that. I, I might recommend. But, but that, that this is a good enough movie that you want to, especially if like noirs, well-written, clever, uh, really fun characters, and a and a pretty good story too. Yeah, just uh, this is something you probably should just pick up. Because this is a movie that you can just keep watching over and over, I think. Yeah. There's been a lot made, you know, for cinephiles to say how beautiful it looked because it shows, you know, we were actually thinking about New York and at the time it was made in 1957. You're thinking of black and white New York and New York in the morning, it's it's really, or in, in the dead of night, it really captured James Wong Hao, really captured the feel of New York. Regarding the aesthetic of New York, that's one thing. But Bruce, how did this movie overall affect you? Or did you feel it's dated? Did you have overrated? Uh, where do you land on this, on Sweet Smell? Um, I liked it quite a bit. I'm not quite as high on it as you guys both are. And I'll tell you why, but I do like a lot of it quite a bit. And I did want to give a warning out. If you watch it, don't watch it on Tubi. This is the one time I would say don't watch it on Tubi because it's colorized. Um, oh, so wow. if you have to if you have to pick one of the bad versions, meaning it has ads, I would say go for Pluto. Pluto, even though you have a lot of ads, it was still better to watch it in what, black and what, white. Real quick, uh, what, what was the colorized version look like? I did not even watch it. I saw that it said colorized, oh, okay. and I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so. I, I've seen, uh, not to derail, but uh, I, I saw McClintock, and that was colorized. And it looked like someone just kind of like throwing a little yeah, red and yellow here, and it looked like they just went in with the marker, and it looked really bad. Um, Ooh, yeah, but I've I'm seen sure other like colorized that. things where I, I wouldn't have known had I not known. 
I, I was just curious about this one, but sorry, moving on. No, you're fine. I, I would, I would basically uh, echo what everyone else is saying that, that as far as like, this looks incredible. All of the outside stuff and all of the New York from the time period is amazing. There's some really great shots. In fact, the one shot it's towards the end where Tony Curtis is up on like a bridge looking down upon like a parking lot next to a, a like a nightclub. That's just strikingly beautiful. Amazing. Um, yeah, all of it looks really, really good. I think the only thing I didn't like, and I think Tony Curtis is probably the best I've ever seen him. I think he's doing oh, the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and, and Burt Lancaster, I mean, he's good, but I think he's been as good in other things, to my opinion. He's 100%. not like blowing it out of the water compared to what he's already done. But Tony Curtis isn't always so great in some of his, other than maybe some like it hot. Obviously, he's great in that too, in a comedic role. But the only thing that kind of didn't work for me a little bit was kind of the story. I kept being kind of thrown off because the stakes were so high and I kept feeling like he's like a gangster, but he's not really a gangster. And I got, oh, he's just kind of this muckraking, um, I'm talking about Hunsinger, kind of this muckraking uh, press dude. And something just was really weird about the sister-brother relationship. And I kept, and I know that there's a lot of subtext maybe going on there, which you kind of wonder about. And I was reading about the the I think this is based on Walter Winchell loosely, yeah, and okay, I think they yeah. were saying it was based on the way he kind of mistreated and treated his daughter. And I was like, oh, that scans because this seems he seems so much older, and it's almost like he's treating her like a daughter he doesn't want to like like let go of and let have a life. And I think if it would been that, I would have actually not been quite as distracted by the plot. The plot itself kind of threw me off. I almost wanted it to just stay slice of life in Tony Curtis's crazy life. Because it, it almost 100%. gave me, um, you know what I'm saying? Like it almost 100%. gave me um, uh, uncut gems. It almost was like uncut yeah. gems in a way. Because Tony Curtis is just this dude that's always on the scam. And he's always making terrible decisions. And he's like mistreating everyone around him. And he's always got an angle. And that stuff worked so well that the plot itself kind of drew me out. So I'm like very strong recommend, but not classic. I love it forever movie. I I hundred percent agree with you on the review. I feel the the subplot was the the main plot, which is the the thing that the press agent played yeah. by Tony Curtis has to do, is the most boring stuff. Yeah, it, 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 but because it deals with a couple of characters that are a little bit uh, not too interesting, they maybe they get interesting towards the end of the movie. But I wanted more Sydney Sydney Falco and Hunsaker showdowns in the movie, and just more more scenes with Hunsaker too. So or. or- like the scene, I'm not going to say what happens exactly in it, but there's a scene where Tony Curtis takes this businessman to the cigarette girl's place. Yes. That scene is Hun- great, amazing, amazing, yeah, and brutal and really brutal for its time. You're like, oh my god, he is such an asshole, and you just see the look what's happening to her in that situation. And I'm not saying what it is, but it's amazing. It'd and be that, brutal that's to watch today. Yeah, it's, yeah. it'll be brutal to me. <laughs> yeah, Eric, you were going to say sorry. Uh, I, I was just going to point out the uh, um, marijuana and communism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, he's, uh, he's he's smoking marijuana. The musician's smoking marijuana, so that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna bury him. Uh, yep. Doesn't quite that that part probably doesn't quite hold up today. Yeah, I guess the communism not. still does, though. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's well, some back act- then, especially, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, of course. Back then, that stuff that get, tracks back then, definitely. It's, again, directed by Alexander McKendrick, which is interesting about McKendrick is 
He's had as much as Sweet Smell of Success is considered a classic by a lot of people. His work as a film teacher, film professor, actually really influenced a lot of people. One of do you, do you guys know who one of his pupils, one of his most prized pupils is? Do, do you guys have any idea? Uh, what I'm going to guess Scorsese. That, no. that would have been my guess too. Oh, great guess. James Mangold. James Mangold for 310 to Yuma right. and, you know, a bunch of other movies. The What was that? What was that last racing movie with uh, Ford, Ford versus, what is that? The, Ford v. Ferrari. Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, he's just night and day. Yeah, no. James Mangold considers Alexander McKendrick to be pretty much his Obi-Wan Kenobi. And a lot of, a lot of uh, filmmakers really, because supposedly Alexander McKendrick, I've got to actually find it on Amazon. He wrote a book on directing that a lot of directors actually use and are influenced by and of course a lot of people like Mangold and his generation were influenced by Alexander McKendrick the late Alexander McKendrick in person as a professor so it's interesting because you're thinking the director from Sweet Smell of Success would go on to make another 20 or 30 movies he did not he actually went into acad- academia in film which did is I, yes. did I read correctly that this movie got shit on when it first came out or maybe it was like maybe it was the early screening of this I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe when it came out, it wasn't that that much I, of a hit. I, I I don't know if it's when it came out or maybe it was that early, like a uh, like an early screening or whatever uh, when they do the. I I could see it being considered kind of tawdry. Like maybe they thought it was a little bit too like risque or something. Maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I read that on Wikipedia. I, I should probably do my homework before I just butt in. With, I, I may have heard a thing. Have you guys heard the thing? <laughs> right. So after after Sweet Smell of Success, he would go on for the next 10 years to direct several movies, A High Wind in Jamaica, A Boy 10 Feet Tall, and his last film was the 1967 film Don't Make Waves. would be interesting to see if any of these movies reach the same level of quote-unquote success as Sweet Smell of Success. I'm giving this movie, I, I, upon a rewatch, I would, you know, I was thinking five stars, five stars here, but for me, this movie is a four and a half star rating for me. How about you, Bruce Perky, for Sweet Smell of Success? I'm probably four stars. Uh, it definitely, even sitting it with for a day, I, I, it's better and better in my head because I think I kind of let go of the stuff I didn't like. So I could see it going up from four stars, but it's definitely four stars at least. So Very good. Tony, like, to your point, I, I agree with your review. Tony Curtis is fantastic in this movie. So I good. wish... You know, it'd be be crazy if we actually find out on Earth some more Tony Curtis gems because we're talking about Jamie Lee Curtis this week. At at her, you know, probably this might be her best performance in Everything Everywhere. What Everything Everywhere All at Once is probably her best film. We, I don't know, is his is her father is her father's best film, Sweet Smell of Success. Would be interesting to see if that is, but maybe who knows? We might uncover other movies. Do you have any ideas what other Tony Curtis movies might be up for up for the offing as far as best performances? Spartacus, maybe? No, but he's probably better. <laughs> no, definitely he's, not. <laughs> did you guys know that? He, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen this yet, but he. did you know that he actually played the Boston Strangler? And yes. I heard that movie was interesting. So I would, li- would like to actually see if he was any good in that movie, The Boston Strangler. So what is your rating on Sweet Smell of Success, Eric Holmes? Um, I'm probably at four stars also, but I do think this, uh, I do think this earns its classic status. Um, you know, sometimes you hear about movies that, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about and it's, it's, uh, the movies get hyped up over time and I think this earns it. Yeah. Cool. Sweet smell of success. Can I, can I throw one thing in there? I think I know the movie that is actually going to be the best one of his. It's the movie that I've seen before. It's from 1978. Uh, it's called the Manitou. It's the psychic 
played by Tony Curtis, recruits a witch doctor, Michael Ansara, to get a 400-year-old Indian medicine man off his girlfriend's back, which he literally is birthed out of. It's really, really solid acting. When's the last time you saw The Manitou? 1979, probably. Wow, you're gonna make me, me and Eric watch that just, just based no, I on won't. the no, it's plus terrible. <laughs> oh, that is so interesting. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll honor some other Tony Curtis interesting performances. Maybe oh, we'll he would up Jamie Lee Curtis as well. What are some of those favorites? Suddenly, Susan, who, who, um, Tony Curtis, really, oh, Tony, wow, Tony freaking Curtis, suddenly Susan. Okay, so before we go, we have the box, Bruce Park in the box. What's in the blooping box, Bruce? What's in the dogs? Let's find out what's in the box. Opening it up right off the top. If you have trouble opening the box, uh, just give your finger webbing paper cuts. And then... Man, Joseph Bridges. How many things does Joseph Bridges (laughs) have in here? I'm going to start weeding him. I have to have a box just for Joseph Bridges movies. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be watching... Oh, who's in this movie? Tony Curtis is not in this movie, is he? Night of the Juggler? Night of the Juggler. What I don't even know. Joseph Bridges, Robert Night Butler the... directed it. Why okay. do I feel like Tony Curtis might be in Night of the Juggler? Am I wrong? Night of the Juggler. Very less. I'm going to look it up right now. So that is <laughs> that is a pick from Joseph Bridges. The aforementioned Joseph Bridges it stars James Brolin. Released in 1980. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. See, Night of, yeah. Directed Robert Butler and Sidney J. Fury. Uh, it stars James Brolin, Cliff Gorman, and yeah, no, Linda nope. Miller, no Julie Carmen, cool. no. All right, no, good. Mandy not that, in it. Not that much thinking. Oh, nice. Tony Curtis did do four movies in the 80s, so three in a in mirror the cracked. Movie. It rained all night the day I left. And Little Miss Maker. And then he also played David O. Selznick in the Scarlet O'Hara War TV movie. Ooh, in wow. fairness, after watching him in this movie, I'm wondering if this was just a, a role that was so tailor-made for him that he just knocked it out of the park. And, and like you're saying, Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler, just a yep. perfectly made role. But it would be interesting to see if there are movies that actually come as close to his performance in in Sweet Smell of Success. Again, this is the thing that really surprised me is it, as much as people praise the performance of Burt Lancaster in Sweet Smell of Success, it is Tony Curtis who pretty much is carrying the film. Oh, so, fuck. Rosemary's Baby. Who's in that? Rosemary, again, sorry, Bruce, I still haven't seen it. Now, before we go, any final thoughts from you, Eric Holmes? No, I'm just, I'm just skinning IMDb right now. Uh, <laughs> you, you, no thoughts from Eric Holmes. He is an IMDb skimmer. Hey, 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 go, go, go! See uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, let's, uh, you know, next time another indie crazy indie movie comes out, um, let let's not let this be the last one for a while. Let, yes. Let's kind of keep this going. Yes. And for me, my my uh, takeaway of the week: please see more Netflix and Disney films, folks. I I, I love all those commercial films. <laughs> final thoughts from you, Bruce Berkey. Well, I didn't have this final thought until just a second ago, but now I know that the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch for next month will be Rosemary's Baby. Okay, now okay. Thank, thank you for that, Bruce Berkey. Rosemary's Baby for next week. Tell us what you think, and we will see you next week on Find Your Film. 